to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 3rd of April 2011, entitled Heaven's Entrance Fee, and the Bible reading is taken from 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 to 10. Here's Brother Peter Taylor. Turn with me to your Bibles to 1 John chapter 1. Just want to read three verses. And I'd just like you to stand for the reading of God's word. It says in 1 John 1, verse 8, 9 and 10, If we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him, that's God, a liar and his word is not in us. Shall we pray? Lord, just ask now that um, these words that I speak, Lord, will be from you. Any that come from me will be soon forgotten, Lord, and you will take them away. But your word is truth and might and power. And we just ask, Lord, that uh, you'll bless us as we look into your word this evening. Amen. It came as a bit of a shock on Monday when Pastor phoned and um, made it aware that... uh, um, he was going to be away this weekend and um, put the onus upon Steve really to do um, the preaching of the word. And when I thought about it, I thought, well, I know that Steve's going to do a preaching service next week, I think, or the week after. And it's, uh, I know what it is to study and to make, make a sermon from studying, and it takes a long time. And uh, Brother Carl hit it on the head when he said about, you know, you can't pick it out of the air. You've got to study it. And unfortunately, we, were, we had chosen to go away for three days this week as it's Diane's birthday, big birthday for Diane. And um, nobody knows, of course, <laughs> but it was a big birthday and we had uh, three days away, so I had no time to prepare. So what I've done, I've used a service and a sermon which I preached on about two to three years ago. So if you remember it, you've got my permission to go to sleep, but you haven't got my permission to snore, because that does disturb, I know that. But joking apart, it is a privilege to be able to stand uh, in the fellowship of your brothers and sisters and to be able to bring God's word. Now, most of you know I'm a man of numbers and not letters. I'm not very good with my vocabulary, never was, never will be, because my reading at school amounted to one book only, Scott of the Antarctic. But I was blessed by that book. Steve will probably know why. I probably mentioned it to, to him some time ago because Captain Oates in that book he actually went out of the tent knowing he was going to die. But he knew that if he stayed in the tent, those that were with him would not have left him. And he left with the intent and the words were, I shall be some time. And he went and gave up his life for the others that might live and be saved from probably the tragic death of dying in freezing temperatures. And that's always stuck with me. I wasn't a Christian, but that impact that I had on my life came to bear fruit years and years later because I realised just what the impact that God had done when he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us because that was the redemption for us. And there's no other word for it. I'm amazed that God would think so highly of us. Who are we to be thought of so highly? I'm going to use some illustrations tonight, and they're quite absurd. And I do apologise for that. I'm going to use people within the congregation to make the illustrations. But sometimes those illustrations may come to bear fruition in, in days and weeks and months to come because my one wish tonight is to bless you with the fact that you have family and friends that are not saved i know you have because i have and that's a burden upon us it really is a burden because sometimes we don't know how to approach that situation we may have a husband or a wife that's not saved children that are not saved aunties and uncles brothers and sisters those round about you, the neighbours, your friends in school, in college, in university, those that have 
not known what the Lord Jesus Christ has made a price for, that has paid a price for. Now, I'm going to use the first illustration. It's going to be an absurd illustration, but I want you to just keep it in mind. Maurice, as you know, is going to university eventually, maybe, and she will have had an offer uh, from the universities that she's chosen, and those universities may have made an offer of two A's and a B, I don't know what it is, but they'll have made her an offer. Now, wouldn't it be absurd if Maurice, on the day of the interview, of her acceptance, would take with her, possibly, her birth certificate instead of her certificates of education. Now, you'd say that was absurd, wouldn't you? Jill, I know, is thinking about taking up driving lessons. And if, on her first lesson, when she approached, say, Andy, as her driving instructor, and brought with her a bus pass to verify that she had got what the certificate was needed, which would have been provisional licence. Presumably, she can't drive the car without a provisional licence. That's absurd, isn't it, that she would turn up with her bus pass. What about something that happened to me on Thursday, Diane's birthday. We'd um, booked um, a hotel, or Ruth had done the booking for us to keep it away from Diane because nobody knew. And at the time of booking, I noticed when Ruth gave me the instructions that there was a dress code for the restaurant. I wonder what would have happened if I had have broken the dress code for that restaurant. Would I have been able to enter? I don't think so. But you knowing me, know how much I like my food, there is no way I'm going to um, be called upon to change my clothes because I'm going to be there first in the queue. I'm going to be first at the door. Don't worry. I should be there with my proper clothes on. Just trying to think of the others that I've, I've, not, I've missed out. Maybe myself, probably, in a way. I, um, when I left the railway, I was asked to join the council, Warsaw Council, as a landscape gardener. And I was asked to produce two NVQs and my driving licence. What a disaster if I turned up with my passport. These are absurd, aren't they? What about Steve? What about if he goes up with his dad up, up to Blackpool and dad says, come on, we're going to watch my favourite team play football. What happens if Angelica and uh, Steve's mum decide that they're going shopping, but Steve and dad says, we haven't got enough money. Knowing full well what the price is that you've got to enter that football ground, Angelica and your mum decide that they're going to give you some Tesco coupons to go along with you. Not a, not, a, not a clever situation to be in, but would you get in? Do you think they'd let you in? That'd be probably great for probably Blackpool now. <laughs> but you wouldn't get in, would you? No. It's absurd, isn't it? I just wonder how many people will turn up at the gates of heaven with the things that are not necessary. The conditions that are laid down are written in God's word. Um, many of them, that you know them off by heart. And I'm going to just pick a few out. And unfortunately, Steve chose half my sermon this morning. He was cribbing off me while I was away, I think. I don't know. But I said to Don, I said, it's not going to turn up till about 7 o'clock because there's only about half an hour's sermon left. But I'm hoping that the words that I bring from God's word will encourage you to see how important it is to put before your friends and family the conditions that are laid down, the offer, remember Maurice having the offer from the university, the offer that is made to us, the purchase price, remember Steve going into the football ground with the, well, not going in actually, he's not going to get there, but the purchase price that's been paid for us, not that we've got to pay anything, but the purchase price that's been paid, and the conditions of what we wear. That's strange, isn't it? I wonder if you turned up with filthy rags, would you be let in? You probably would, but not the filthy rags of righteousness which will keep out most of the Christians that are not saved, the so-called Christians that are not saved when they take 
their self-righteousness to the Lord. They will be the ones, and I'll mention the verses that are, that are applicable to that as we go through. I'll mention the absurd illustrations. You're all going to remember those now for the rest of your life. But you can see that not only does it apply to the physical realm that we're in, but when we look at the scriptural realm that we look at and the, and the spiritual realm there will be that those kind of things do occur. There are people that will tell you things that do not align to God's word. I mean, I think Steve mentioned it this morning. There are things within the Church of Rome like purgatory, penance, payment, indulgences, which are not found in God's word, but they apply those to their entrance to heaven. Now, that's going to be a sad indictment because there's a lot and lot of people in the Church of Rome that when they get to heaven, they're going to be the, those that are going to be turned away if they haven't had the purchase price of the Lord Jesus Christ's blood of redemption put upon their lives. I'm sorry. It's a difficult thing for me to say because I know lovely Roman Catholics. And it's difficult for me to stand here and say things like that. But I'm not saying them out of my heart. I'm saying them from what God's saying about the situation. I'm going to look at my notes now because I don't like going too far without looking at my notes. Let's have a look at Matthew for a start. Matthew 7, verse 21 to 23. Not everyone that shall say unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name hast cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Those are people that have got the name of the Lord on their tongue. They've used it, haven't they? They've used it to um, enhance themselves in a way because they've glorified in what they can do. And the word of God doesn't say it's what we can do. It's what God has done. They're going to stand at that day in the Lord's presence and expect to be accepted. And rightly so that we... As born-again Christians, we, if we turn up tomorrow there, we would have the same acceptance. We would expect that, wouldn't we? Because we've, and I don't know about yourselves, but me personally, I've accepted that the purchase price paid for my redemption has been paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ. My sins have been dealt with. And it's the sin question. You remember the three verses we, we started off with? The sin was the outright denominator in all those three verses. I call it my scriptural sandwich. Now, most of you know I love food. And those three verses have two pieces of bread, verse 8 and verse 10, but right in the middle, the meat, if I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a meat in a sandwich because the first part in 8, it says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now, who is the truth? What did the Lord say? I am the truth, the life and the way. And in verse 10, it goes on again. If we say we have not sinned, who do we call a liar? We call God the liar. And his word is not in us. Who is the word? The Lord. So you see within that sandwich probably is the greatest three verses of scripture that you can take with you wherever you go because like me out there before I was saved, I was a good person. I was a moral person. I was an upright person. The balance of scales were tipped firmly in my balance, really were. They were tipped towards me. 
If I was taken to heaven, I would have been chosen to go into heaven, my thinking, because I was a good person. Now, this relates really back to when you're a child. I don't know whether you've ever been to a funeral service where mum and dad have had to sit down with their children and explain why grandma or granddad has gone away and has died. The obvious conclusions, and most people will find an easy way out, to say, well, they were good, they've gone to heaven. Is that not right? You've heard it many a time. And that goes into adulthood because as we grow up, we realise that when we were disobedient as children, and we were disobedient because that's our nature, when we grew up, we were upstanding, weren't we? We did the right thing. We didn't disobey mum and dad. Or if we did, they would, we, we would be punished. It doesn't matter how old you were, but you didn't. So that we were going into the world with the right things to access ourselves to heaven because we were morally good. Our good works certainly outweighed the not-so-good works, didn't they? And thereby, our chance of having that eternal home would have been great because from that early child he was told grandma and granddad or grandma or granddad had gone to be in heaven. That child knew because they were naughty, they weren't going to heaven at that time. They definitely knew that they weren't going to heaven because most children know they're naughty. I don't care how good your children are. They know they're naughty because who teaches them to be naughty? Did you teach your child to tell a lie? Did you teach your child to be disobedient to you? I'm sure you didn't. So where did it come from? It comes from the sin nature, doesn't it? That sin question again keeps cropping up, doesn't it? It's the sin but because my, my greater works of goodness outweigh my not-so-good works, I think I'm all right because I don't know any better. And that is the world today, I'm afraid. In the Christian world, on this side, in this nation of ours, it's estimated that 60% of people, not born-began believers, 60% of other people believe they're going to heaven. So where have we gone wrong? What is it that we're not mentioning in God's word to those that are out in the world? We can't expect them to keep coming in here. We want them to come in, but we've got to go to them, haven't we? We've got to go. The commission is to go to the world to present God's word. And that is the difficulty that we find, and I'm going to try and help in giving you the scriptures that might just is the problem, because I find it a problem. I don't know about you, when I'm out on the streets with Steve and Pastor, I've always got that worry that somebody's going to ask me the question I'll never be able to answer. And yet, the opportunity that the Lord gives you, gives you a possibility to strengthen your uh, personal salvation, because it is an uplifting thing when you are able to speak of God in the terms that God wants you to speak about him. Not in the blaspheme that you hear on the street every day, but in the encouragement that he gives to those that are born again to go into the world to preach God's word, whether it be to your family, to your friends, to your neighbours, whoever it might be. Let's have a look at another scripture. We looked at that one and we know from looking at the actual description there, there are going to be a lot of people that think they're going to heaven that will be, unfortunately, very, very disappointed. And it's up to us to just keep reminding that the Scripture says what the conditions are, what the offer is, what the purchase price that has been paid, and what robes we are to wear, funnily enough, because it does mention the robes, isn't it? The robes of righteousness... And those, are, what colour are they? White, white clubs of righteousness. But it's whose righteousness is it? It's his righteousness, isn't it? It's not ours. We, if we take our righteousness with us, our church attendance, our baptism, our 
Bible reading, Bible study, prayer. If we take that to heaven and expect an entrance to be paid, it won't because we've missed the most important thing, the sin question again, which hasn't been dealt with. Has it been dealt with in your lives? Have you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ and the purchase price that he's paid at Calvary for your righteousness? Because if you get to heaven and you haven't, you'll be one of those people in verses 22 when he says, depart from me, I never knew you. Because he's looking for you to be under the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing else. He doesn't want those things that I've mentioned about the church attendance. Those will come when you're born again. Those are the works, the good works that we requested and will be natural to anybody that's a born-again Christian. They're not going to be forced upon you. You'll do them by the fact that you love the Lord and what you want of the Lord is to be blessed. And those things are a blessing. When you come to a fellowship, you're here to be blessed. You're here to praise and worship the Lord because that's what he requires and that's what he deserves for who he is. But you want to bless each other. You want to be able to encourage one another in the things of the Lord. I mean, I can go to a, a social club any night of the week and be encouraged to play table tennis I mean, my one, one aim in life was to be the world champion, of course, when I was a youngster and never reached that goal and never would. But it's not that kind of bond, is it, when you're in a fellowship of believers, you want to be encouraged in the word of God. You know, you, the things that, that really matter, your eternity is the most important thing in your life. And that's why Steve touched on the, the saints issue this morning. And there's not much difference between a saint and a sinner, is there? When you think about it, there are only two types of people that God sees upon. He sees those a child of disobedience, those that have what we call a child of God. There are only two people. You'll, you'll see in, in the papers and wherever on the news, they'll link people to groups such as immigrant workers or defrauders of, the, of, of revenue. I, I mean, even MPs have done this, haven't they? They've, they've gone above the board and, and taken more money than they should do. And they are all linked in the same tard into the same brushes because of what the media supposedly would have their title to be. But God sees them as children of disobedience. It's not us that have chosen... God, God chose us, didn't he? And we are children of God if we're born again. So it is an important fact to remember that your friends are children of disobedience. What would you expect them to do? You wouldn't expect them to come into church. You wouldn't expect them to live uh, for the Lord because they've disobeyed and they're outside of God's will. Right from, the, from Adam, when Sir Steve mentioned, Adam was the first, the sin came into the world then, so death came upon the world, did it not? And that's why we, we have death. I, I presume if it hadn't have occurred like that, it would, there would have been no death. It would have continued on. But because death is upon the face of the earth, now we have to deal with the sin question. And I'm going to just touch on a few verses. Just have a look at, uh, well, Steve mentioned the one, Romans 3.23. And he's talking about the sin question. Who... Who is it that have sinned? Any? Oh, see, Rifkin. Eh? Not, not some, like Steve was mentioning today, not some have, have sinned. Not a few have sinned. What does it say? All have sinned and come short. You know what the come short comes from? It's an archery term, come short. It's when you take your bow, draw it back, let it go. And the arrow falls short. It comes short. And in fact, some of the um, archery clubs still call their members, have a guess what they call them? Sinners and saints. Even today, that title is still mentioned for an archery club. So some, some of the local ones, Leamington and Litchfield, have, 
I looked it up, this, so it is true. I'm not making it up. I know it sounds far-fetched, but it isn't. They still call their members sinners and saints. So they're coming short. We've missed the mark. Did I miss the mark? I think so. Did Andy miss the mark? I think so. What about Cherry? Did she miss the mark? I think so. Gemma? What about you? Did you miss the mark? I think so. It says all and it means all. So you've got the price there. What is it? It's in 6.23, Romans 6.23. Steve mentioned this one as well, another verse I'd put down. You see, he preached half my sermon for me. So we've got the wages of sin. The wages, of course, is payment. I mean, if you went to work and you had your wage packet, it would be the payment for the week that you'd earned. So you've earned it. What have you earned? Death. That's a very serious payment, isn't it? I don't think of, I can't think of any other payment that's more serious than death. Not to me, because I'm getting towards the, uh, the end of my uh, span. I've taken me three score years and ten out of the pot, so I'm living on borrowed time. I know somebody else's three years, score years and ten, and they're living on borrowed time from last week, so <laughs> look out, Diane. But there's always a but in God's word, isn't there? There's always a but. And amen for the buts in God's word. What's it say? But the gift, anybody like receiving gifts? Diane had a few on Thursday. I tell you, the gift of God, what is it? Eternal life. What a blessing, eternal life. And you've got it as a gift. You're not paying for anything. Somebody's giving it to you. Who's giving it? God's given it through his, through his son, hasn't he? He's given it because he loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son. And he says through Jesus Christ our Lord. Sometimes I want to jump up and down. And say, yes! <laughs> and I'm, I was used to be like that at the football matches and Diana would sort of slowly move away, you know, she'd be there and she'd be about seven or eight feet away after I'd, I'd done a bit of this and shouting. But it's like that with God's word when, you, when you've been blessed and you see what he's given you, a free gift. We were thinking, weren't we, about the price that was paid. And as well, the offer is the gift. But what have you got to do? What have you got to do with a gift? Accept it. And there's another thing you have to do normally, because it's wrapped up, isn't it, sometimes? Open it. It's no good being pushed to one side and not opened, because inside that gift is probably the best gift you'll ever have in your life. It is for me, and I'm sure it is for you. If you're born again, the gift that God gave us is precious. It's so wonderful that we want to jump up and down. I know I can't do much about that now because of this, and I still limp a bit, but even that, it doesn't make a lot of difference. And I've mentioned the other verse, John 3, 16. We all know that. I've got it printed on one of my T-shirts, and Michael drew me out when they had the conference and made a... <laughs> Keep me head down. I thought, no, don't mention. But he did. But it's there for everyone. For God so loved the world. And you mentioned this morning, didn't you, about in the Old Testament that he didn't want anybody to be rejected, did he? The Lord wanted everybody to be accepted in his sight. But through sin and through rejection, even in the state of the Jews at that time, they were blessed by the Lord. They went away from him. They came back. They went away. And it's no different today. You'll find that those that will have uh, a blessing from the Lord and they'll be, and then they'll be down and, and you, you think, no, the Lord wants you to be, you know, I mean, you can't be on, on, on the mountaintop all the time and, and the, valley, the valley experience does come to us. I know that. 
But he does want, if you've got these promises and these blessings, there should be something you can get from God's word to give you a, an uplift at any time. Really, really is. It does work. I can assure you it does work. Let's have a look at the purchase price. We talked about it before. No, 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 I'm jumping ahead of myself. Ephesians 2. Let's have a quick look there. I know I'm going to jump up and down and about and round about, but bear with me. Ephesians 2, verse 8 and verse 9. For by the grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. There's the word again. What is it? It is the gift of God, not of works. Steve mentioned it this morning, lest any man should boast. So it's no good taking the works and expecting that to be acceptable if we haven't accepted the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ, the payment that he's paid for us. Redemption. What does redemption mean? It really means purchasing back, doesn't it? It's, uh, it's a bit like the pawnbrokers when you take... On a Friday, you take the things that you don't need, or is it the... Yeah, I'm trying to think of what way around it. It's the Monday you take the stuff to the pawnbrokers, that's right, because you don't need your, your Sunday best. You see, you, you don't remember these things because you haven't had a hard life like, like me <laughs> and my mum. On a Monday, you took the things that you, that you used on a Sunday to the pawnbrokers and t- had money for them. But to get them back on the... Friday, when you needed them for Saturday and Sunday, you had to go back to the palm rugs and, and redeem them back. And that's the redemption. You're buying back, and God's brought back you to himself because he wants fellowship with his people. He's created you, so he's created you for a purpose, and the purpose is fellowship with him. Most people don't understand that. I didn't understand that when I wasn't a Christian. I couldn't understand why there is a, a God creator I could see creation, and I knew about creation. That's always had an effect on me. And even now, today, somebody mentioned it about the trees in blossom, the blooms, the flowers, the grass is starting to grow. But it's all creation. It's that thing that God has put in place for us. What a great God. Wouldn't it be awful if it was concrete everywhere? I mean, a lot of it is today. I mean, you walk down our road, and when our children used to go to school, they used to come home and say to me, Dad, he used to puff me up, Dad, we've got the best garden in the street. So I used to tend my front garden, probably more than I did. No, no, equally. But now, when they come to visit, it's, Dad, you've got the only garden in the street. There is nobody with any gardens because it's concrete. It's for the car, isn't it? That's what we've done to God's creation, basically. And that's why it was wonderful for us to be able to go away for a couple of three days up into your area, up to Lake District. Beautiful. But it is is nice to see God's creation and then be reminded of his salvation. Because without the one, the other doesn't exist. Without creation... God's supplying all our needs. We haven't got salvation because he gave us the Lord Jesus Christ. Another gift. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by perdition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So those that would tell you that um, it's all right to uh, pay indulgences, to speak of penance and uh, purgatory, but I'll tell you one thing, and I've said it before already, they're going to be bitterly disappointed. It's not going to make any difference to God because if they haven't applied that blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to their sinful life, it's not going to be a happy day. And I've said before, there are many Roman Catholics that I know that are good people. I like them. But I'm sad for them because they're blinded by religion. They also have elevated Mary. You remember... 
I think a lot of you know uh, that Joe and Jill and Chris were former Catholics and uh, they, they'll know the elevation that Mary's taken place over the, the centuries. She's now a co... What is it? A co... co-redemptionist with the Lord Jesus Christ. How can that be? Just have a look at one verse for me. Luke 1, 47. You can read this, Joe, if you want. I'll let you. Come on. Did you hear that? I'll repeat it as well then. Because I've got a loud mouth, as most of you know. And my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Saviour. And that's Mary speaking, isn't it? Why does she need a Saviour? Anybody know? She was a sinner like us. Great virtuous woman. Great godly woman. God chose her. She's a sinner like us. He's chosen us too, you know. I don't want to be down on the Catholics, but this really does hurt sometimes when um, you see what they've done to Mary and given her an equal footing with the Lord Jesus Christ. That hurts me. It really does. And not. I really um, find it difficult sometimes to uh, to have that relationship with um, those that think on that those lines because I don't blame them. They've been led, but I do blame the leaders, those that have led them down the wrong path. It is a terrible path to go down. It's great that we have people that have uh, gone down the path and have uh, turned their back. It really is, you know, to see born-again Christians in our fellowship that have had to turn their back on probably the greatest world religion, really. Well, it was. I don't know if it still is. But it is a religion. It's, it's man's way of trying to reach God. And we're not in that game. God's reached us already. There's nothing else... We haven't got to do anything. He's done it all. He's paid the price. He's given us the offer. We accept it or refuse it. Just one more verse. Nearly finished. It's to do with the clothing. You remember the, uh, the restaurant we attended? Well, I want you to look at Isaiah 64, verse 6. Sorry, there is two verses. Sorry, three, two more to come. Sorry. Has nobody fallen asleep yet? What does it say? 64.6. But we are all as unclean thing and all our righteousness. You remember I was talking about our righteousness, wasn't I? Presenting it before the Lord. What does it say about our righteousness there? That is filthy rags. I didn't make it up, did I? And we all do fade as a leaf and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. That's where we were, wasn't it? We'd been taken away. We'd been blown from here to there because we didn't know what the truth of the word of the Lord said about our condition of sin. And probably we didn't want to know either because it's hard to face up to that there is somebody greater than us. That's unfortunately a pride thing. I don't know whether you or I or anybody here would remember probably a lot of proud people have gone before us, haven't they? A lot of proud people. I wonder where they are today. If they haven't accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their saviour, I know where they are. They're with the rich man, aren't they? They'll be calling out. You remember what the rich man said about his position? And he knew where he was. And he wanted earnestly wanted a message to be sent back. Remember, try to get a message back to my, what was it, my brother and my family. And what did Abraham say to him? If you haven't accepted Moses and the prophets, even if someone rises from the dead, they will not believe. And that is how it is today, I'm afraid. 
we have a Christ that is risen. We're coming up to the time when we celebrate that, um, that event. But that took place 2,000 years ago, but it's still, still as relative today as it was then. But they still reject him. Not only the Jews, but the pagans and the unsaved Christians. They reject the price that was paid. I've just got a couple of warnings for us now as born-again Christians. I want you to look at two verses. One is 1 Corinthians 6. Two verses, 19 and 20. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? What does it say next? For ye are bought with a price... Therefore glorify God in your body and in your speech, which are God's. See, the bought with the price is there again. But it's a warning to Christians, this. What was the purchase price? It was the infinitely precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, wasn't it? That was the purchase price. I suppose the realisation of that fact provides... A potent principle for discerning righteous, rightness from wrongness. I know that's not very good English, but that's how I wrote it down. And it, it, it really does help us to discern if we are bought with a price between our right doings and our wrongdoings because we are not of our own, are we? What does it say? And you've got to ask yourself, whatever kind of behaviour you present, does it glorify God or does it not? And that's a warning from that verse, really, because we're not bought, we're not, we're not of our own. If, we're, if we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, we're not of our own. He's paid the price. He really owns us in that respect. I mean, he doesn't look at it like that, but that's how we should look at it. We should be beholden to what he says about our lives. What we do, what our behaviour is, should be a reflection of who God is. If we're a Christian, we should not be exhibiting practices that dishonour the Lord. That should come automatically, the wrongness and the rightness. That's how I put it. But that's how it should be. If you're reading that verse how I read it, I, I don't know whether I've interpreted it incorrectly, but if we're bought with a price, we don't belong to ourselves, belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. God has placed that price upon us. Now we belong to him. So our behaviour should Reflect that. Matthew 7, 21, 23. We've read that one. Don't go back to that one. That was the one regarding who will be acceptable on the day of judgment. And, and when we go to heaven, the acceptability for us is because who are we? We are sinners saved by grace, not of works, lest any man should most. So the works that we do after we're saved, of course, becomes not a payment to the Lord, but it's right a working out of how we feel about who we are, what we do. Do you get blessed by reading your Bible? Well, I do. I have trouble sometimes because, you know, my lack of vocabulary, I have to look at things and think, what does that mean, Diane, Diane, what's this mean? You know, I have to go to the commentary and have a look there and I think, is that right? Go look at another commentary and you think, no, there's too many commentaries. I'll go back to the Word and ask God to show me. And it, it does bless you. And my prayer time, I've had difficulty this week, and as most people have had difficulty making prayers this week because of the situation that we found ourselves in as a fellowship. And God knows. He doesn't have to have words the best thing that God knows about us is our heart. He knows what you're feeling. He doesn't want you to try and verbalise everything because sometimes, I don't know, I don't like to use this word. No, I'm not going to use it. It's words keep coming and coming and coming and coming. And we, we want him to please not only God, but we want him to please the people that are that ran about us are listening to, if it's public prayer. And I don't find that easy. I find that most difficult because I don't want to please other people. 
I want to be asking God to please, you know, to bless the whole fellowship, all of us, because we all need. I mean, Steve said it, Carl said it, we do need God's presence in our lives closer and closer day by day. And as you get older, you need it even more. So I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, you need it more as you get older. You might not believe this, but the older you get, the more you need the Lord to keep blessing because there are things you're going to have to go through as you get older. You youngsters, listen up. There's things that you're going to have to go through if you get older, pain, Suffering, ridicule, us oldens, I know what you feel about us, I know. (laughs) But it's that kind of, you need God more and more as you get older and older, you do. I'm I'm surprised about that because I thought as a new Christian, I couldn't have any more of the Lord than when I was a new Christian. But as I've got older, I've realised that I need him more and more. There are things that I can't do now. I can't race Ethan down the path anymore and he takes the mickey out of me blind he does i cannot but i i make up i make up winning lines that he can't reach before me lock the car if we're about a foot away from the car i touch it i say i'll beat you and you might find that funny but those as you get older you can't do the things that you can do now i mean got two flute they flutists so they call Flautists, no flutists. Play, play beautifully. I could never do that. My mum sent me to piano lessons. Absolutely useless. I did not want to go. I would not do the exercises. Ooh, dear. no way. But we're blessed. We've got two. We've got two in our fellowship. What a blessing. You don't realise what the talents are that you have here. But we've got to use them. It's no good being latent. Somebody said to me the other day, how many people in your church don't do anything? I said, this is the same as any other church. There's a lot. I said, but, but, I said, those that are, that are, that are actually being, in, being used are being blessed. I said, that's the thing. If you're used of Christ, you are blessed. Is that not right? What a blessing it is. Maurice plays our piano. We've got three pianists now, haven't we? We've got Amber, Maurice and Shelley. Three. I mean, churches are crying out for one. We're so blessed in our fellowship, aren't we? What else can I think to tell you that that blesses me in the fellowship? Because those things bless me. I need to be blessed. I need the Lord to keep blessing the fellowship. Because I'm getting old, I can't do everything. I'm not, I'm not clever like when workday comes around I'm on the job what they call them Carl dog, the dog's buddy is it the dog's buddy I'm the dog's buddy I can't do the things because not only of my age but I've never learned to do practical things I can do the garden roll the things I can I think <laughs> but you see roll the liberty do they not bless you why is that because they love the Lord. What a beautiful statement Rifka came out with then. They love the Lord. Aren't we blessed when we see Liberty in, in her challenging times? And talk to her. Does she not bless you? She does. Rolder. Aches and pains. Can't move very, very easily. But does she love the Lord? Does she love the Lord? It's wonderful, isn't it, to be around her? I mean, you know more than anybody. You go and visit. Do you not come away blessed? You go to bless her. Why don't you come away? So blessed. We have a blessed fellowship. Keep together. Keep singing on the same hymn sheet as the the world says. As long as we keep together and bear each other up. I know I've said some silly things, but the absurd things may stick in your mind. They may help you when you visit your relations. I've got a, a dear family relation that um, has sincere beliefs, and sometimes sincere beliefs can get you not to the right place. I'll just give you one story to finish with, and it might 
it's not for you, Cherry, but this is a nurse that had done a 12-hour shift and she was asked to do four more hours. She was tired. That, that lady nurse made a vital mistake. She gave a dose to a patient that was really poorly, but the dose she gave was 10 times the amount that she should have given. Now, she had a sincere belief that she'd given her the right dosage. Unfortunately, that, that patient died and, and that nurse had to live with that. But she sincerely believed that she was right, what she'd done. And because of the constraints of her tiredness, everything sort of really went against her in that instance that she made the wrong decision. And there's a, a minibus driver that I know. He was an immigrant minibus driver that uh, was driving for a farm that took um, immigrants onto the um, fruit fields. And he made a decision, rightly or wrongly. He, he sincerely believed that there would be no train on the track that she had to cross. He crossed it probably 500 times before. The day that he made the wrong decision was be a fatal decision for three people in that minibus. So you see, people do have sincere beliefs, but they can sincerely be wrong. So be careful of your friends and your family if they've got sincere beliefs. They may be wrong, and they more than likely will be. So you've got to have the, the wherewithal to go through Scripture with them, tell them who we are. We are sinners, aren't we all? What did the word say? We're all, all sinners. But we have a gift given to us. A free gift, we don't have to pay for it. And the gift is that the Lord Jesus Christ has paid your redemption. You only accept it. What's difficult about that? And I think for the world, it's the difficulty of the sin question. Always remember that sandwich question that we brought up about the sin. 8, 9 and 10, 1 John 1. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, we call him a liar and the word is not in us. So we've got the truth and the word, so both of them, which are the Lord, we're in the middle. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins all in all unrighteousness. So we're made righteous as well. Blessed be his name. Amen. Amen.